This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willer for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. <clears throat> All right, are you, are you two coming? I'm down here. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, uh, this is the new place. I've been in this part of the house misdirected. Yeah, it's the den. Yeah, uh, we don't use it very often, but this is um, like where we relax and chat. Like after this weekend, like I figured we, you know, take a little downtime, discuss the show, figure out what we're doing. Yeah, it's already Tuesday. The show just started. I guess we're going to need to do this without a topic then. Uh, I mean, not a problem. I got us covered. Um, We've had this emergency before, and um, we'll just do what we did last time to get us through, which is we're going to do some viewer mail. Great. So with that, welcome to the 456th episode of the Mr. Kimark podcast. Tonight, we're going to answer some of your questions from your short forms. Along the way, we'll take your suggestions, examples, and comments live from the chat room for life on Twitch before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am old man Logan. And I feel like it today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. It's time for our temperature check. Let's see how everybody's doing. Phil, how are you feeling? Uh, Physically, fine. I mean, I got my hair cut, so pretty pleased with that. Uh, Mentally pretty junky. Had a shitty day at work that has uh, snowballed into um, a pretty good bout of um onset onset of a good bout of depression coming on so i'm feeling it but otherwise i'm healthy getting my booster on uh get my booster on sunday nice how about you bob um mentally i'm a solid okay um physically i'm I'm a little jacked up today my shoulder's been giving me a bunch of trouble my neck decided it was going to be cranky today and I've got some kind of gastric thing going on, and I'm like, really? That's all right, fine, whatever. (laughs) And yet you made it here. Yes. So A dedication uh, to your craft, my friend. I, too, am getting my booster. Um, My booster is scheduled for next Tuesday afternoon. Um, So that'll be out of the way. And and there we go. Jerry, how are you feeling? Better now. Um, The up and down weather we have affects my sinuses. Um, I'm good if it's rainy. I'm good if it's sunny. I'm good if it's hot. I'm good if it's cold. These days when it's hot today and freezing tomorrow and back up, that just throws my sinuses all off. So I've been a little stuffed up. Um, I'm probably a little measly tonight, but um, took my meds. I'm feeling good. Um, and I get my booster tomorrow. So I'm looking forward Yay. to it. So also get my flu shot same time. So apparently you can get them both. So get them yeah, both, get all set too. up. But yeah, it was really easy to do. Just uh, uh, Lily got me set up for uh, Rite Aid, I think. So. Five minutes on, you're done. So it looks good. All right, then. Excellent. Yeah, Mm -hmm. let's roll on over into the one thing. This past weekend, I actually finally got to use my fancy gaming table for gaming. Hey. (laughs) It's been uh, basically a collection point for stuff since I moved into my condo. (laughs) Do you not uh, not eat at it? um, Generally, no. I usually end up eating over by the (laughs) TV, but uh, it depends. Um, I think I did eat there once since I've been here, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it got cleaned off and the, and the, the dining topper came off and the playing surface was used. 
mm-hmm. and we'll get into that more in the uh, in the uh, the later segments. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was a nice moment. I was like, yay, finally getting to use the gaming table. How about you, Jerry? Uh, mine is going to be we played a game of uh, Nice Black Agents uh, with special guest star, and uh, once again, that game is really handling investigation, action, and just character uh, like role playing very, very well. Special um, guest star. Yes, we uh, we got to play. Um, we got to move a little forward. Uh, each week, we're gaining more and more information about who and what we're facing and exactly what kind of dangers we're into. Um, and when we work together, it goes well. And it's, I think something I really like is when we have a plan, the group works together, and with a few minor snafus, we pull it off um, with minimal body, body, body count this time, which was good. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the next one. So, Bill? So, let me just first say that we had Schmitty in okay. town for the past week, which is who played it um, over with Bob on game night, uh-huh. Jerry, Schmitty, and I. Schmitty was our guest star for NBA um, yeah. as well. And then um, uh, on Thursday, uh, we all went and saw the Eternals yep. uh, as a group. So, went and, uh, went and checked that out. Uh, I rather like the Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a bit. Uh, it's not your standard Marvel movie. I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything. It's um, it's a bit more on the um, melodrama side of things. I've heard a few people say like they would like to have it to have been a series. I think it actually would have made a pretty kick-ass series. Not necessarily the cool. same uh, inciting event, um, yeah. but I think those characters are plenty interesting. That um, cool. You know, a full series could have been a full series could have been done for it. But as a movie, I was um, I was very pleased with it. Uh, it will go up there as one of my um, more favorite uh, Marvel movies. It will definitely be uh, it's definitely up there on my list. Uh, if you are a fan of the um, the more traditional Marvel movies, your um, your end games, your, you know, um, lots of punchy superhero stuff. This might not be your jam. You might not like it as much. Um but again, like I said, um, I thought I had some good. Me- I thought I had some good drama. Uh, I thought the character, the characters and cast were pretty excellent. Um, and yeah, I liked it overall. So it's good. I, I would, I would see it again. I think it had as much punchy as like um, probably like Captain America, the first Captain America movie. There's actually a lot of action in that movie. It's just it's a long movie. It's, it's a good movie. But it's a long movie. It's two and a half hours. It is two hours and forty minutes. It's not for the faint of heart. I mean, there are. Um, I would, I wouldn't rush to take kids to go see it. No. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's a kid's movie, not in um, material. I just don't think it's a kid's movie in terms of pacing. I thought there's seven or eight action sequences in that movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not, it's, it's not bereft of action. No, not at but, all. But the story is not really. About like, the action. Exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. Yeah. So. I, I, I mean, I always like when, I always like when Marvel uh, takes different styles of movies and makes Marvel movies from them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. but yeah, the Eternals. So good times. Um, I do want to make mention as we head into the announcements, um, some scheduling stuff. So um, it's tonight's the 16th of November. We're recording this episode will drop right before um, this episode will drop before Thanksgiving day. So that would be the 23rd. Um I have every intention for us to record on the 23rd, which means there will be an episode on the 30th. But 
we will not be recording on the 30th um, because I'm not going to write a show over um, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, and on top of that, um, I have an event on the 30th that I need to attend. So we'll not be recording on the 30th, which means the episode on the 7th of December will will be missing. We'll mention it again next week. But just to put that in people's minds, the post Thanksgiving episode, which again is always delayed one week because we record them a week live and drop them a week later. Um, And then we'll, as we head into December, we'll talk a little bit about holiday schedules and things like that. At some point, we'll take a hiatus um, heading into the holidays, but we'll tell you more about that um, after we figure it out because we haven't talked about it yet, (laughs) but all right. Uh, that's all I got for announcements. Um, I, I would plug, um, I, w- I would like, I would like to plug that. Um, uh, what is it? Rich Wayne's game, which it, the name eludes me at the moment. Cause oh God. Um, I'm having one of those moonlight. Yes. Um, Bob will search for it really quickly. I'm going to plug it, but I believe the Kickstarter will be over by the time, um, by the time this drops. So uh, here's hoping you already backed it. Um, it's funded. It's uh, it's hitting stretch goals. It's doing a good job. Yes, um, there are seven days to go, so it it will be over um, by the time we do the show next week. It's Moonlight on Roseville Beach, the queer game. Thank you. Going Cosmic Horror. Um, they have funded. Um, so funded and kickstarted, like funded and stretch gold. Yeah, um, the cool. stretch goals are pretty. Um, like they're pretty good. It's like more artwork, more pay for everybody. Um, those are stretch goals I can get behind. Yeah, those yep. are always good ones. But sadly, um, it'll be over. Although I tip my hat to Rich, a um, a two week Kickstarter run on a very tight built Kickstarter. I, I like, I like, I, I just, I like Ooh. the, I like the way that looks. It's good. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I guess the other thing we need to mention, okay. just if there's any disruption, hopefully we'll try to keep it to the after show. Um, but um, at 8.30 Eastern, as we're recording this in a mere 20 minutes or so, at some point after 8.30 Eastern, um, the Spider-Man trailer will drop. Um, in all likelihood, multi-monitor Bob will be watching it silenced or not on one monitor. I'll be good. Um, I'm going to do my best. watch the trailer. I'll just. Like, What's it? I said, I'll be good. I won't actually watch it until after. Okay. I can hold um, my. If, if I mean, we'll, we'll try. We'll try to keep it under control until yeah. um, until the after show. But I, the internet should explode in about twenty yeah. minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh, I think man. that's all we got. All right. Well, that means it's time for the uh, workshop. So, gird yourself, Phil. Yep. And oh shit! I gotta do. Oh. I, I don't think we can do workshop. Oh. No? Yeah, this is workshop. Just just minor projects. These are just little house projects. That's all. All right. Hang on. <laughs> All right, you ready? Let's do it. Workshop, workshop. We didn't have time to write an episode because Schmitty was here and we were doing stuff and hanging out and being cool and stuff like that. So now we got to just get questions from people online and answer them on the fly here on the show in the workshop. And hopefully it doesn't suck. <laughs> there we go. How was that? I mean, I think it's about as honest of a exactly. segment as opener as we get. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So um, this week, Schmitty was in town and uh, hung out with us. So we had a great time. Um, we did a lot of uh, combination of game stuff and geek stuff and uh, actually did a lot of, of, of theory talking and stuff. 
But uh, being that Schmitty was here and we hung out, well, Bob and I hung out with him almost every night. And I think Phil hung out with him every night. Um, it meant that we didn't get a lot of work done on the show. So we ran out of time to come up with a good topic, or at least not enough time to write up any detailed show notes. But we didn't want to leave you all hanging. So we went to Slack and Twitter and put a call for some questions you might have. And tonight, in the spirit of early David Letterman, we're going to answer some viewer mail. So which one of us ends up being Paul in that case? Um, that Bob? Well, by hair, it's not me. <laughs> okay, Bob? <laughs> sure, cool. why not? All right. Oh, good. You can give us a rendition of It's Raining Men later on tonight. No. Um, this will be done in the spirit of roundtable segments of the show, where one of us poses a question, and the rest going to take turns asking, answering them. Um, we've already gotten a number of questions. Uh, it might be more than we can answer. So tonight, Bob is going to manage the segment by keeping an eye on the time for us. When we hit the midway point. We're going to stop for a break. And when time is up, we'll simply move on to the community corner. But, Bob? Yeah, so we're going to start off with this question. Our friend Jim asked us, why might you set up a game for troop play and how do you do it? Sure. Um, I'll take first crack at this. Um, mm -hmm. So I think any game will support troop play for starters, right? Like mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, if you want to, and you just want to have like, you know, everybody have two or three characters, it's cool, right? Like I think there's a, um, a defined troop play for everybody though. Sure. If we're going to do definitions and stuff. Um, <laughs> sure. I'm joking. It's our show. That's what we do. Um, true play is like when every player has multiple characters um, and that you kind of assemble the troop uh, for a given session, right? Or a given part of a session or whatever. Um, so, you know, traditionally in role-playing games, right? We've, we've have the one character to one player, right? The player personifies a character um, and that's it, right? Like um, your, you know, whatever your group is, that's like all the characters you got right? That's your party. Yeah. Um, when you do troop style, right? Like everybody has multiple ones or the other way is like, you can have more people than you normally have um, playing in a given night. Right. So like there's two ways to do this, right? The idea is you wind up having more characters um, than what forms the party. Um, I want to specifically focus on the one where players play multiple characters. Um and only because you, we all know the background of Jim's question, so I'll actually just delve into it a little when we were talking to Jim about this. Uh, Jim's playing uh, Conspiracy X, which is a game that has uh, wonderful investigation stuff, um, but it also has a fairly lethal combat system. And uh, it's really hard, as Bob will remember, it is really hard to be good at, 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 at too many things in that game. Like your character's point, it's a point by system. You tend to be good at like a couple things. And then if you are less than good right rating two um you basically suck right like there's a sharp um bell curve in that game uh i should say not sharp narrow bell curve in that game um between what you are good at and what it, what you will struggle with so anyway jim was talking about um the perils of that game and how quickly he's afraid some of the investigative type characters are going to get murdered when we suggested you should go to a troop style game and let everyone also make a combat guy um a combat character right an alt so that um you can mix and match and sometimes you can have um combat people um and sometimes you can do investigative things and sometimes you can mix and match them if somebody needs cover like going to a hostile site or something like that so anyway the idea being that everybody make more than one character and there's you know um you know, it flies in the face of the normal convention that like you should only have one character, like get into your character or whatever. But I don't know. I kind of think now that might just be bullshit. Like <laughs> I just I mean, 
like we also thought you shouldn't talk about what's going on in the game during the game. We all figured out the game was better for it. Maybe this is actually the solution to a number of other problems. Uh, but in Jim's case, true play was definitely a good a, a good suggestion to go where um, this game has like two very distinct things it does, right? It does investigation, it does fighting, um, and it might be good to have characters that focus in uh, both of those things. Um, if you're going to do it, I, I mean, I think you could like you could inject it into a game at any time. You could pause a game, make up some characters and play. But like it would be good if you were thinking about it up front to just put drop it into your session zero. Um, and I think you just, you know, I don't think it would be a thing where you, like every character, like every player has to do it. I don't think you have to force every player to make extra characters, but right. I think you could leave the door open for it. Right. Um, so I that's that's my thoughts about it. Right. I think. um I think we don't do it enough. I don't think we entertain the idea enough. And I think we don't give players enough credit that players couldn't manage being more than one character. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my thoughts. Jared, what about you? Um, I like it in games, especially if it's a game that has high attrition. Um, we've done it. I've been doing it since I've been uh, either as a GM or as a player, been doing it since about like 80, 81. So I've seen it show up a lot. Um, we've done it in games where only uh, players only need a few characters, only have a few players, which would be more characters. Um, if the character has an entourage, um, that sort of thing. Uh, the four that come to mind for me, um, when we play the, the chainmail game, the original pre D and D chainmail game, and our GM ran it as a, uh, a role-playing game, we played, each of us had our knight, our squire and our entourage. And depending on what was going on in the situation, we played our knights, our squires, or our entourage. We didn't mix and match them back then. Um, but then when Battletech came out and we started playing Battletech, original pre-clan, just after Battle Droids Battletech, um, we had a big group of people, but we played, everybody created their character and their tech. And you had some scenarios that involved you playing your character, some that involved playing your tech. Sometimes you played both of them at the same time. Um, sometimes we got out of our mechs and got into things. Uh, at one point, we even spent money to hire a mercenary group because we were all really bad if we had to get out of our mechs and do something because Battletech's a game that you kind of put all your points into the one thing you're good at. Mm. And uh, so I ended up spending a lot of my credits. Instead of upgrading my mech, I bought a mercenary team. And there was one time that I that the players got out of our mechs and everybody else played their characters and I played the entire mercenary team. Um, we did this in Traveler where we all rolled characters that had nobility. And so there were only three players so we had the uh, the the Kakri guy just played all of his Kakri because in Traveler, if you play a Kakri, you're playing a herd of herd animals. So he played all 47 of his characters or whatever, however many you get for that. Um, the Jodani, who are the psychics, played the noble and his attendant. And I played an Aslan noble male and the uh, female attendant who actually had all the intelligence skills because in Traveler, uh, the male characters really don't understand anything except shooting stuff. And it makes for fun characters. And lastly, and I think Bob can talk about this a little bit too, um, a lot of the Forge in the Dark games, like Scum and Villity and especially Band of Blades, play towards troop play, where you create your main characters and then you either rotate through them, like in Scum and Villainy, um, you can have a situation where in your downtime, your character gets taken out for an entire uh, story arc, where you have to spend time away recovering from your downtime as you pick up one of the other characters in the group and play them. So sometimes Bob will play the medic, sometimes I'll play the medic and so on. Um, and in games like Band of Blades, 
you build your heroes and then you build six five-man squads that are involved in the missions. And on any given adventure, you take two or three of the main characters and everybody else is playing that five-man squad. And sometimes you you rotate out. Sometimes you play several of them at once. Um, well, you start out with a five-man squad. It's Band of Blades, so you don't generally end with a five-man squad, unfortunately. Um, but what we found out playing that game was that um, you got really attached. I and mean, we got to the point where I think when when Chris was running Band of Blades, I think we, we got five of the six squads detailed out enough. And it was heartbreaking when one of them died, especially because you were playing them that mission. But uh, we got to the point where, you know, basically we had all played, you know, six or seven characters and loved them all. Um, I think you don't have to force people to do it. Um, generally, there were, even in games like uh, Band of Blades, there were one or two players that really liked playing their main characters and others that liked playing the multiples. Um, but I've never seen, I've never really had a problem with letting players in a group where they work together playing more than one character. If you have a, a PvP game, I think that's the one stumbling block with playing troop style that you can have people kind of either ganging up on or playing multiple characters in a way that can be troublesome. But if you've got a group of players, like all the games that we play, where the players all get along, even if their characters don't, you can have a great time with troop play. And it gives people a chance to role play different aspects in that game. You get a chance to play the the cynical character and the upbeat character and the combat character and the character that's all about tech and the, and the hopeless romantic all at the same time and do that kind of stuff. So I think that that's one of the advantages of true play. So, Bob? Yeah, um, pretty much everything that Jerry just said, uh, I agree with. Um, <clears throat> the Blades in the Dark, uh, the, the Forged in the Dark games um, are definitely constructed so that at some point, somebody's going to be playing a different character than what they started and then probably likely go back to the other character at some point. Um, another thing that we did, um, which I don't remember now if Jerry mentioned off the top of my head, but um, we had a couple of instances where, like, say, I played a, a particular character in one session and then, like, maybe two, three sessions down the road, I played a different character. Somebody else played the character that I played earlier so they kind of migrated around a little bit but mm-hmm. band of blades has definitely got that extra added element where you're you're going out on uh, on military missions and you have to decide who you're going to take this time well this time we don't need the 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 sniper and we don't need the the boom boom guy we need you know the bunch of stealthy people and maybe you know like uh, a couple of grunts just in case whatever um, so uh-huh. you, you bounce around characters a lot. Um, but as Jerry said, you don't necessarily have to have everybody play a different character um, uh-huh. every single session. If somebody's like particularly fond of their character and they fit for that mission, fine, you know, go to town. Uh-huh. Um, sorry, my nose is itching for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, they, they're, they're particularly structured um, very well for troop play. Um, another thing that I think for um, sitting down at your table and deciding that you're going to go troop play um, is if you've got a game that has a lot of different character roles and the players say, for example, they they, they can't decide, oh, I, I really don't know which one I want to play. I really like mm-hmm. both of these or whatever. Or there's like a larger than normal. Like typically you're going to have, I don't know, like maybe just off the cuff, like a dozen character archetypes maybe, like 8 to 10 to 12. Mm-hmm depending on the game. 
Um, but if you've got like a dozen and you got four people and they're all like, man, I really like all of these, make a bunch of characters, go to town, try them all out. It's an interesting way to play a game. And if you've never done it before, I highly recommend that you do it at least once just to get a feel for it because, um, it's, it's, it's fun to stretch your, your character, um, um, characterization muscles. I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to, to put that, but like I'm playing the doctor this week, next week, I'm going to play the driver, you know, like whatever. Um, it lets you, it lets you flex those role-playing muscles, um, and try something different and you can always go back to the other one. Um, so I think, I think, uh, true play is a really cool idea that, um, that I'm glad is, is more prominent now in more games so that people can try it out. Um, and, and again, I try it if you haven't done it because it's, I think it's a good time. I have one thing to add to true play that I forgot to mention, I was going to put in there that I think the band of blades handled well, that if you're going to have a game where players rotate from character to character, where they might not be playing the same character every week. One of the things that that the Forge and Dark games do a good job with is um, making sure that characters that aren't there still gain some level of experience. Because if you have one person who's playing the same character every week and somebody else who's playing this character this week and this character another week, they're going to fall behind on skills and stuff. And in some games, that drop can be a major a major thing. So if you're using a game that uses experience points, um, make sure that you uh, have you know milestone experience points or have something in place that you know the char- the characters that aren't there either advance at the same degree or advance you know where everybody else gets three experience points people that aren't there get two or something on that one but make sure that they stay in that same genre because it's no fun to if you're in a game where there is a great disparity like take a game like Dungeons and Dragons that we're all familiar with um, if you miss three adventures with your character and the rest of the party's level six and you're level three that's a big disparity in the game. Um, so I would say that just if you decide to do this, and I think you should, it's a lot of fun, just make sure you include some, some metric in the game to make sure that the characters that aren't there advance at the same level so that um, they all get to stay in, in the same basic power grouping. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it works best when, um, I mean, I think it works best when um, you've got games that have slower, um, you know, character improvement. I mean, if you're having, you know, yeah. like if you're, if you're on a troop style pathfinder and everyone levels up and you got to level up like four characters, you know, without software assistance, like could be a lot um, or just play fighters. Like that's just, you know, <laughs> keep it simple, make at least one of them a fighter. Um, then you'll have no work to do because there's yeah. nothing more boring than a pathfinder fighter. And honestly, says the guy who loves it. fighters. I, yeah. If you, if you have you ever played it. a pathfinder fighter, I have. Have you ever played an Iron Heroes oh fighter? <laughs> I've never played Iron Heroes. Yeah. But a Pathfinder fighter is not the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> it's not that exciting. Uh, uh, no. It's not there's as no ten levels. As there's no like ten levels of cleave in uh yeah. in Pathfinder. But to go back anyway. to the to the whole advancement <laughs> disparity thing, if you know, to me it's always been like, oh, you know, the fighter didn't come with us on the last adventure because the carry the player was out of town and couldn't come. So the yep. fighter was sitting at mm-hmm. home. The fighter wasn't just sitting in the inn throwing back beers yep. and, and flirting with the waitress. The fighter was doing something, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't like, oh, you know, 
uh, my my player wasn't here, so my character just sat on his ass and did nothing. No, he was out doing something. Right. So he was still gaining mm-hmm. experience. Maybe he didn't gain as much as everybody else did. Maybe he did if you just say everybody levels up at the same rate without experience. It's just milestone yep. leveling. Whatever. But I always yep. thought, like, that's stupid to think that the, that, that character, just because the player wasn't there, that the character was sitting with, with their thumb in their butt going, what am I doing? Nothing. Yep. Like, no, they're out there doing something. So It's just something you should address at session zero yeah. to make sure everybody understands how it's going to work. Yep. Good, good point. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Good. I think we've, I think, I think we, um, I think we've covered that. Yep. All right. Question two. Oh, that's you, Phil. Yep. 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 Question two. Sorry. I was watching the chat room. All right. Question two. Carl asked, um, any advice dealing with writer's block during prep? No, that's a legit problem. Right. Oh yeah. Yep. I was taught a little while ago and nowhere near soon enough when I was writing that, uh, I was taught just start writing which, where you want to go. If you don't have the start of your story, but you know a scene that you want to write, right there. If you have an adventure that you want to put together, um, start writing wherever you are. If you're writing a, a game system and you know the stuff that you want to put into it, start with that chapter. Um, you can always go back and edit things. It's even easier today when we all have computers. Back in the day, when we all had to do it you know, by hand in a, in a, in a notebook um, or on a typewriter. Um, you know, or if you're old like Bob, you know, on chalk on, on chalkboards, whatever. Tablet, um, clay tablet, tab, clay tablets. There you go, uh, papyrus. Um, but Hammering seriously, a stone I, with a chisel. There you go. <laughs> you leave my um, abacus out. But, but so seriously, um, like when when uh, we started working on on one of the games uh, two years ago, I knew what I wanted to do for rules, and I knew what I wanted to do for uh, character creation but I didn't have the background all figured out yet. So I just did the stuff I had. And as I went, I would go back and I'd add a paragraph here and a paragraph there. And that, that's how I did it. Cause I wasn't, if I just sat down to start with chapter one, page one, that didn't work for me. Um, so that's what I did. I just start with what you have and go back and put the rest of the stuff in later. Um, if you're inspired to write something, you're sitting down to write because you had an idea in mind of some sort, even if it wasn't a complete idea, start where you are. That's what I'd say. Absolutely. Cool. So, depending on where you are, what you're having trouble with while you're doing your writing, break out the tools. That's my that's my thing. Like, if you're having trouble with, like, an NPC, backstory cards, short order heroes, yeah. you're, like, trying to yeah. figure out what to do about the plot, Rory story cubes, there are a ton of decks and dice and, and <coughs> other utilities that can give you that little jolt to get you over the hump. Um, there, there are, you know, dungeon geomorph dice where it's like, you know, oh, I'm not sure what to do with this, with this dungeon, like roll a bunch of geomorph dice and be like, Oh, so we've got a cavern here that leads to a room down a set of stairs. Like there's decks of cards that do that. So there are so many different tools and a lot of them are available in, as PDFs. And if, if you, uh, can't afford the full, uh, the full hard copy versions of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just kind of like, you know, do random, uh, <clears throat> random selection like that. But there are so many tools out there. Um, depending on what you're, what you're stuck for, um, there's probably a tool out there that will, that will give you that little burst of inspiration. That'll be like, Oh, wait a minute. Yes. That'll work. That's my tip. No, it's- 
That's good. It's good. I have like a, I have like a box of that. I have like a box yeah. of that junk in my, uh, in my GMing cart. Um, so, you know what I've, um, I don't know, I've written some stuff. Um, so over the years, like I've run into writers, writers block in all sorts of places. Um, I, I think the, the most important thing about writers block is like, it puts too much value in the, um, it puts too much emphasis. I shouldn't say value it puts too much emphasis on your initial draft. Um, where revisions are always so much better. So like mm-hmm. if you're blocked on a thing, like just start writing anything, right? Yep. Like if you can't quite figure out how, you know, to lead into the, you know, set piece encounter that you want to have, like, just like, just like jam in some stuff. It doesn't have to be good. Um, you, you guys know from looking at the notes, um, I also use a technique where when I know that I should put something more down, um, but I don't know what it is, I just write the word stuff in capital letters as a reminder, like to just, you know, I'll need to put some stuff here later. Uh, And the reason I say this is like emotionally writer's block is like a punch to the gut. And the problem is, is it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy psychologically, right? So like if you hit the, if you hit the keyboard and you're like, Oh, I got nothing. And then like you go turn on and play video games while you've treated yourself in the moment in the back of your head, you're going to be like, Oh, I didn't write that thing. Like I didn't prep the session and now I've got less days to prep it. And Mm -hmm. this is, you know, it's going to be worse and worse and worse. Right. And then if you go to hit the keyboard again, the next day, and you're feeling bad that you didn't hit the day before, and you don't break through and start writing. Now it's like a, it's a domino effect, right? Like it'll just begin to snowball and it'll just get worse and worse till you're like, you're not running the game anymore. Right. So mm-hmm. part of the thing about writing um, is that you should just write even when it's bad. And when you don't know what's like, when you don't know the details for something, you can just put in your notes in your first pass. You can be like, uh, some encounter happens here that leads to a secret door, right? Just write that and then like, keep going. Yep. Now, as long as you have managed your time and you're not trying to write your session the night before the session or the day of the session and you hit writer's block, this is also a thing to take into account. If you started your session prep like a week earlier, you can absorb a little writer's block, right? Like I, I'm saying, don't get up from the keyboard, but you can leave yourself that note of some encounter goes here and write the stuff like Jerry said, write the stuff, you know, in that first pass, you will get up from the table going, all right, look, it's not perfect, but I got some stuff done. I can hit this tomorrow. And often once you kind of know what the pieces are that are missing and you've gotten the stuff that you knew out of your head, your brain will almost always solve that problem later when you least expect it. Right. Yeah. So you'll, you get down all the stuff, you know, the set piece encounter, you write yourself a note, got to write this, you know, intro thing here. I don't know what to do yet. How do the players find out about this, whatever. And then like you go off and do some stuff. One, you're feeling better. Your creativity's up. And two, when you least expect it, your brain will be like, Oh, here's the solution to your problem. And that's it. And then you just come back and you start writing again. So I, I, I very much encourage, I know writer's block sucks and I know it feels terrible, um, but take it from a person who many times has been incredibly uninspired and sat down and just started pounding out words. 
um, it's not the initial draft that counts. It's what you do in revisions. And you should just be accounting for that when you're prepping your games as well. Like Mm -hmm. just get some junk down, come back and fix it up in revisions. I don't know of any writer who's ever happy with the first draft of anything they do. I don't put any stock in my first draft. I will. I just vomit stuff onto a page and then I step away from it for a day. Like, I don't even, I I don't want to see it that like the day after the day I've written it, I don't even want to see it like that day. It's dead to me. Maybe the next day at the earliest, I'll come back and take a look. And then I don't beat myself up for it. Like, I don't be like, Oh, what garbage Phil? Like, Nope, this is the process. Like these words are bad. Let's get to work and make them better. Right. Like, Yep. It, it's really in the revision. You should just cool. vomit as much as you can. Vomit words onto a page, vomit ideas, half-formed, ill-formed, doesn't matter. Just get it up there and then give yourself the time to, to do the edits when you're not under pressure. You'll make, a much, you'll make much better stuff. Yep. Yep. Cool, cool. Okay. All right. Question three. Jim's Like Games asked... Do you eat before a game or during? Like, how does a meal disrupt play? How does a meal enhance it? How does the ritual of food and when it happens affect the gameplay itself? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, personally, I prefer to have full meals if you're going to have them before the game. Um, uh-huh. We'll obviously talk about some of the, the where there's going to be a lot of overlap on this. Um, but sure, I prefer, because we game together constantly. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I prefer uh, full meals beforehand. Um, at least one of our games, we snack a lot during the game. Uh, our NBA group, that group, for some reason, tends to snack a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and and no there's a reason for slice that. It, uh, anytime you've got f- <clears throat> food involved, sorry about that. Anytime you've got food involved during a game, it will cause some delays. It's just going to be a matter of how... Uh, uh, how disciplined everybody is about, <coughs> sorry, all of a sudden. <laughs> you want me to jump in? Please. Okay. So, yeah, like Bob said, like we mostly eat beforehand. Um, I it, Some of this has to do with um, like play space. Um, if you have the space to eat meals separate from your game, like, you can certainly do that, right? You can certainly, um, you know, go to the dining room table, eat as a group or, you know, wherever you eat outside, whatever, and then come inside, go to your gaming table and play. Um, I don't have that space. My gaming table is almost always where we eat. So I like to just do one activity, that activity being eating, and then um, clear it, clean the table, put everybody's game stuff out and game. If we did it because of that, because of that one table, if we did it mid game, we'd have to stop, take everything off the table, put the meal onto the table, eat, and then resume, like clean it, clear, clear it, clean it, resume. It's a lot. Um, So it's not my, it's not my favorite. Also, um, and maybe this is just my group, but I suspect it's some of your groups as well. The process of ordering food, um, if you're not making it can be excruciating. Um, so it can be slow and it can, you know, the, you know, it could be the app is slow. People don't know what they want to eat yet. Like I try to handle some of that, like from a scheduling perspective, like handle some of that, like during the week, like, Hey, we're playing on Sunday. Where do people want to eat kind of thing? Yep. Um, we've done a lot of avoid analysis paralysis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
We've done a few games, Bob, where um, we've done some like Amber LARP like things where we've eaten during. Yes. Uh, during the game. And, and it was cool, like to be able to fold that in. But Amber is not a game that requires like books, dice or anything else. So it was yeah. very easy to kind of blend those two um, activities. And then I would say, lastly, I'll say just the last part of this is for uh, for our group, um, that dinner time is socialization time. Ideally, mm-hmm. not that this is true all the time. Ideally, the purpose of that socialization time is to get out all the things we want to say to each other, socializing wise, jokes, et cetera, before we start playing. It's almost never really the case, but um, but it is nice to actually like hang out um with everyone socialize catch up on what's going on in everybody's you know week two weeks whatever mm-hmm. share a meal and then let's play yeah that, that's that's been mostly how we've done it bob do you want to jump back in <clears throat> i mean you pretty much covered everything else that i was gonna go into so i was buy i was buying you time for the uh yeah i don't know what happened for the lozenge tickling my throat and i just couldn't i couldn't do it <clears throat> I heard the lozenge wrapper and I was like, oh, better jump yep. in. Yeah. All right. If you're good, then Jerry. Um, for me, uh, I think that, uh, like you said, meals should be done before the game starts when possible or at the very, very beginning. Um, but I used to have some of the games that I had here at my house. We had people coming from further away. Some of them were coming right from work. Um, so sometimes somebody comes in and, and arrives and uh, if they haven't eaten yet and they're going to eat, I expect like, you know, come in, sit down, say hi, order your food so that, we are, you know, eating within the first 20 minutes of the game and move on from there. Um, for the exact same reasons you guys have all mentioned. Um, if we're going to have snacks, I want them to be manageable. I don't want, you know, powdered cheese puffs, no chicken wings, nothing's going to be slimy or sticky or oily on the table, preferably nothing with dips. Um, we've had some of those in the past. Um, it's going to depend on your gaming group, of course. Um, and uh, it, like you said, it's going to depend a little bit on the, on the space you're in. Uh, snacks are also going to make a difference based on the pacing of the game you're in. If you've got a game where people sometimes, um, by the nature of the game, are sitting watching somebody else do something, sometimes they snack for the same reason that gamers stack dice and, and take notes and so on. Um, <laughs> it's something to do. But if you're going to do that, make sure the snacks are there. And as also, avoid snacks that are loud. Uh, additional, if you're not the one in the scene, having somebody in the background crunching and making noise doesn't help. Um, but it, it can also be, you know, there's something to be said for the, for the, the social aspect or Sony brings brownies, um, you know, or something that they made at home and they're like, Oh, you know, these are homemade and you pass them around that, that can be, you know, fun. But, uh, you know, we, we live in Buffalo and there's a place here that's a roast beef place called Anderson's that also makes custard. And we have had uh, ice cream delivered to the house mid game just for the hell of it. And so we stop and take a five minute bio break and everybody eats their ice cream. Um, but that's a planned thing. We don't try to just have like everybody's trying to eat pizza in the middle of the game and that sort of thing. It just tends to, to cause trouble um, for all the reasons you mentioned before. I know um, like back, I know back in our youth, mm-hmm. I know back in our youth when we lived next to, when Bob and I lived next to the pizza place and gaming was more like a six to seven hour event. Yeah. Yeah. We would totally take dinner breaks in the middle. I, I guess I should qualify this by saying how we play now, right? Like yeah, we normally play on a Sunday evening and we typically play three to four hours sessions. Mm-hmm. We're not like we used to play like back in the nineties when we lived in the same duplex, we used to play like at noon 
mm-hmm. and play well into the evening. And so we would just like taking a break um, to stop and have dinner was kind of like a welcomed, um, you know, kind of a welcome disruption. And when Bob and I were living together, like we had, like we could eat in one apartment and play in the other one, or um, we were playing a lot of games that didn't really require tables. We were playing like sitting around the living room. Um, so putting everything back in your bag for a few minutes while, you know, we put out pizza or subs or something uh, was entirely possible. I'm trying to remember there was a time, there was a time in the nineties where we hardly ever played at a table. And it wasn't until like we started playing th- third edition, like third edition that we like went back to sitting Oh, at yeah. a table like we used to sit in the living room we had a run mm-hmm. of games where we were sitting on couches and chairs around maybe around a coffee table uh occasionally we took our stuff on the road we had a couple of vampire sessions in uh, spot coffee mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah yeah we well, didn't really like it wasn't until third edition until we got like all battle mappy and shit <laughs> that we um that we like settled into like playing at a table on a routine basis now yeah. we played a table all the time um, and, I, and I'm fine with it. It's not like I, um, mm-hmm. it's not like I miss it, but I, like, like you said, Jerry, like I'm um, like one of the things I'm like a stickler about is I don't actually like beverages and snacks on the table. Like when we're playing, I like them on side tables, right? Yeah. Like at my old place, yeah. I had side tables at my new place. I have like side tables. Like I like everything on side tables. So if something spills, it's not like yeah. in the yep. middle, like on the, you know, in the game. And Bob did the same thing when we were at his place playing board games um, on his very mm-hmm. nice table. He had sideboards, he had like yeah. side table, you know, like little side tables set aside mm-hmm. so that, you know, whatever drinks and snacks we had sat on those and we just had the game on the table. So then, you know, that worked out really well. Um, I mean, I have I, the advantage that I have, I have a very big game table in my basement and I have a bar right behind it where we keep most of the actual snacks and drinks stored. And then same thing, we have little folding tables you can set up next to and behind them and so on for that reason. Because, yeah, you don't want lots of stuff on the table. I, I get frustrated enough when somebody's got 12 books on the table and they only need one kind of thing if they're not the GM. Uh, yeah, I'm I used definitely to have a used to bring every book they need, every book for the game to the, to the table. I'm like, we don't need all those books. Just, you know, just, just the thing you need. Yeah. Just uh, that, that's when you encourage them just to put them in a bag at the bottom of the table. If we need it, pull it out. Yep. Like, yep. you know, if you want to be prepared, you know, it's right there. Also, I've seen your game room. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that somebody has a book for a game that you don't already have. Like, oh, good God. Lots of them. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. That's why I stopped collecting Pathfinder because there were too many books. Too many but, books. Uh, yeah. But no, and, and uh, I've, I've, um, I've had, I, I will, I, I will have my half ogre fighter smack you for that one, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I will take fight me, the, fight me on that. I will take the DCC fighter over the Pathfinder fighter. I think the, I like the. Uh, what you call it? See, I think I think you're I think you're. There's a difference between not as interesting as Game X and a boring fighter, because you can make a lot of interesting fighters in a game like Pathfinder, even D and D three point five. Now I'm with uh, you. It's just that I I, I, I I don't I, I think the idea of seeing that fighters are boring is playing into that that stereotype that's out there about. Well, that, first of all. I almost only play fighters, right? Okay. So my my usual frustration is I don't think fighters get to do enough cool things in games compared to other to other character classes. But that is neither here nor there. We're still on the topic of food, and I want to just yes. kind of yeah. um, <laughs> wrap that up. Um, I had a final thought on this. Um, 
I guess the final thought on this is I am actually a big fan of having food during before and during a game because I want everybody. I don't want anyone hangry. I don't want anyone spacey or whatever because they haven't eaten when we sit and play. Right. I want everyone fed and when everybody fueled up. I I have no problem with snacks, you know, on on the sides of the table, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, like eat, Um, you know, we used to have some like our our NBA game has some really like, has had some like some, some really sugary snack kind of thing. I think our worst was our D and D four E game when we used to get those, what were those stupid Oreos called the Cakesters? Oh Oh dear. And we, we, we used we used to pass out two packs of cakesters before the game started and we'd wait till we kicked something's ass like in an encounter. And then we'd break out our cakesters as a celebration. Yep, that it was, was like our bad. victory cigar. I'm not this size by accident, folks. Like <laughs> didn't sneak up on me one morning. Oh, whatever happened to cakesters? Did they just go away? I think the FDA banned them or something. I think. Ah, that's bull. I don't There's know. Whatever, whatever happened. Yeah. I think one thing is, if you're going to have a snack area, I think you make sure that that the player sitting next to it is aware of the fact that part of their role in the game, if you're going to sit next to a snack area, is giving snacks to other people so that they don't have to constantly disrupt the game. So if somebody wants, like, you know, if you're sitting next to the 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 table that has, you know, the the chips and the drinks and all that, just be aware of the fact, you know, like somebody's getting low on their chips, uh, you know, he wants more chips here, hand them over. That way you're not disrupting the game. There's somebody get up, climb over six people, go grab something back and forth, that sort of thing. Makes a difference. Um, and if you're going to get snacks during the game, do it at a point where there's a break in the game. You know, the GM's about to, all right, okay, now we're going to, let me look up this thing here. Okay, great, I'm going to go grab a snack real quick. So you're not, if you're going to be the snacker, don't disrupt the game to do it. All right. All right, Bob. Bob, I literally typed in whatever happened to Oreo and Google was like, cakesters. <laughs> and so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that while no one knows why Kicksters were taken off the market, they're coming back in 2022. Yes. The Oreo Kickster is win. coming back and, a, and apparently the Nutter Butter Kickster is coming, is coming as well. And if you haven't already made the jump of just separating those two and sticking them together, to make the chocolate peanut butter cake stir. Um, but yes, they are, um, they're coming back, baby. And if you're asking what the hell is a cake stir, I will explain very quickly. The Oreo cake stir was um, a two chocolate cakes with Oreo filling in the middle. It was like a whoopie pie kind of thing. Yep. Um, and they were big. Like they weren't Oreo size. They were bigger. Um, they were like brownie like- size. It was like cutting the bottom off of a Hostess cupcake, sticking yeah. two of them together with a, with with cream filling between them. Yeah, yeah it's bad. Um, they were delicious. They were super sugary. Sugar um, bombs. I, def- I definitely loved them when we were playing 4E. Yeah. Um, and uh, my dumbass will probably buy a box when they show back up in the store, at least for nostalgia. I will bring a box of cakesters to a game and toss them around. <laughs> um, but good Lord, the cakester. But yeah, we actually made a little ritual of that in our, um, in our 4E game. We'd pass them out. Like um, I think we, 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 we took the ritual from independence day, the passing out of the cigars. It's your victory dance is okay. what, uh, 
yep. is what they said. So we would pass out our cakesters and we'd all have them sitting in front of us till we fought some like big encounter and beat it. And then we'd all break out our cakesters in celebration. Oh, yeah. Happy. Huh. Okay, cool. We should probably move along. Um, we're going to take a break yep. and we're going to check in with the chat room. Uh, but in order to get to the chat room, we must first get through Bob, who is going to shill another show uh, on the network for us. What it's show is it, Bob? time to pump somebody else's show up? And that show is Mastering Dungeons. I got to say, I like this name way better than Down with D&D. Like Down with D&D always sound like it was a slam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Down with D&D. Boo. That's but, not how it went. It was, it was. No, I know it are was you, based on, it was a riff off the song, but when you just hear it out of context, it sounded like it was a slam. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you did, Dungeon if, sounds if you, a lot better. Yeah. If you Anyways. didn't, if you didn't know that there was, that, that the song was associated with it, if you just saw Down with D&D as a podcast, it, it did sometimes come across as, you know, putting down D&D, which not something we want to do. Uh, I'm going to. I disagree, but that's that's not the point. Mastering Dungeons yeah. is a brilliant name. It um, is, and and a snappy show, logo, yes, snappy logo, snappy logo as well. Very snappy. Yes. Um, yes. In this wonderful podcast, RPG veterans and game designers Teo Sabadaya and Sean Merwin look at the game and the hobby of D anD D from a variety of viewpoints, reporting the news, understanding the business, reviewing the products, and illuminating the design. Whether you're a fan, a player, a DM, or a designer, Sean and Teos cover topics of interest to you. Give it a listen. There we go. All right. So, chat room. So, yeah, back when we were talking about troop play, uh, Andy attempted to do uh, uh, to DM a troop play D&D game using a pre-written adventure that didn't go well. Um, and part of the reason for that was the game wasn't written for people to miss sessions. Mm. So, when you're bouncing to different people... It can throw things off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Uh, totally. One of the things that the Forged in the Dark games do to try and mitigate that issue is they're generally mission-based. And more yeah. often than not, your mission's going to take one setting, one session. So mm-hmm. if somebody's there for it, they're there for it. And then the next session, it's downtime, whatever, blah, 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 depending on um, at least the way when we ran it. <clears throat> It worked that way for us. <laughs> I am so sorry. Well, I have no actually. idea what's going on with my throat right now. We're losing Bob. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. What else we got going on in the chat room? Apparently, apparently, send us a surprise. We can eat ice cream in five minutes. Um, well, not, not that we necessarily ate the ice cream in five minutes. We had five minutes to kind of get the ice cream down to a manageable situation. You know, you, you licked the cone down. It was no longer dripping. You, you had ate cones the delivered? We had cones delivered. We had one of the people that had cones delivered. Um, <clears throat> wow. We they had deliver I, cones? They will deliver anything. And it's, I mean, you have to remember also, I live like three quarters of a mile from this place. No, no, I know where you live. So, just... so it's, and uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. We, we, uh, it actually happened because I, I actually, as the GM, I arrived at the house like three minutes before everybody got there. So I did not have dinner. Went downstairs, set up the table vacuumed the floor and they came in we sat down i'm like i need to eat something so i just went on and ordered when back when skip the dishes still existed i ordered uh just a roast beef sandwich a baked potato and i'm like what the hell is i'm gonna order an ice cream sundae and it was like they have ice cream and we ordered ice cream and that became a thing that 
somebody always wanted to get the cone for some reason, probably just to be difficult. I mean, the the Sunday sounds completely sane to me, right? Like the the Sunday sounds like as a person who does not like dripping food and things like, like a person with, as a person with anxiety, a cone is nothing but taunting my anxiety. Yes. Like, yeah. If I, most of the time I get a cone, I ask them to just put it in the little cup for me. And I'll, yes. just, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just break the cone up. That's why, um, like, my favorite thing about Jenny's ice cream in Ohio was um, you could get the um, – you could get your ice cream in a dish, and then they put the cone, the sugar cone wedge yeah, into yeah. the dish so that you could you could have all the taste of a delicious cone <clears throat> and mm-hmm. none of the anxiety. Yep. Um I think yeah. I also I think I also had a player who just enjoyed doing things differently to, to be different, and then everybody <laughs> else was already ordering, just to, to, which is fine. I mean, it was their cone; they can do whatever they want with it. Sure, but, sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm not against like you know ice cream during a game as long as it's kept clean and you know orderly. So I was uh, trying to explain to send to the anxiety of opening a McRib and trying to get it out of the box. <clears throat> I wasn't eating one for for the record, but I was had was going through the drive through, and I mentioned the McRib. And Senda was like, what's that? And I was like, well, there's a story. So I had to tell the story. But then, like, you could never get the McRib out of the box without also bathing in the barbecue sauce. Like, I still think that abomination should be taken out and shot into space. <clears throat> I mean, it's frequently it's frequently taken out. Like, it's yeah. not an everyday thing at McDonald's. No. I, I've only I haven't had one like in for, I haven't had one in forever. I had one once and I was like. Why bother trying to make it look like it's actual ribs when it's just formed pressed meat product? I mean, but that's chicken nuggets. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, that's hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) That's Arby's. That's everything at Arby's. I mean, formed pressed (laughs) meat is kind of their thing. Like, I don't, there's very few things that aren't form pressed. Like the, the egg in the egg McMuffin is literally the only thing I think that isn't like, you know, parts of something, you know, pressed into something. Yeah. The egg McMuffin is simple. It's an egg. It's a piece of Canadian bacon, which is always round. It's ham, isn't it, chef? It's ham, isn't it, chef? <laughs> and it's a friggin' English muffin. There's nothing formed in. It's in the purest. Eight. It's the purest of yeah. all of them. That's why I get it as my breakfast thing for McDonald's. If I have to get a McDonald's breakfast, I have seen the garbage you eat, you eat for breakfast. <laughs> Listen, yes. do not throw stones. Seen... <laughs> hey man, all, all I'm going to say is Wendy's has a chicken sandwich, and that's all I care about. I can I can get I can get regular. It it is it is a pet peeve of mine that for a while McDonald's had breakfast all day, but you couldn't get a freaking hamburger at eight o'clock in the morning. That's all I really wanted. Because I don't want Jerry's, eggs for breakfast. Jerry's like the only person who's like voting for lunch at eight a.m. <laughs> I'm voting for I'm, eggs in the morning. Make eggs in the morning. Make, make I know. Me a little tumbling I know. all day. I like them at night, and so I don't like eggs in the morning. Uh, but I love like like chicken sandwiches, hamburgers, you know, steak, you know, pizza, whatever in the morning for breakfast. That's great. <laughs> so. Uh, right. Andy Fox is terrified of the McRib. I don't think that's I don't think that's an irrational fear. No, I think it's not that, an irrational fear. I think the McRib oh. is uh I, I I think they I think I think the press makes the press and the internet makes the McRib more of a um makes it out to be more popular than I think it really is. Yeah. I don't I don't I'm not buying I'm not buying the hype on the McRib. All right. Well, now that we've delved into McRib territory, I think we should jump back into the next question. <laughs> All right. So question four, Todd asked, 
how would you introduce a new player, as in never played an RPG before, to an existing group in the middle of an existing campaign? It's a lot of qualifiers. So this is right. So this is not a this is not great. Um, I understand the necessity of it, but there this is fraught with peril. Um, here's the thing. You got a whole lot of things going on here, right? You've got a you've got a player who's never played an RPG before who has to learn how to play an RPG, right? Specifically, the one that you're in the middle of a campaign. In. They also then have to learn all of the campaign lore, and they're going to disrupt the group. Like we talked about this in the previous, I think we talked about this on pandas recently. They're going to disrupt the dynamic of that group when they arrive, right? Because it's change. Um, It's inevitable. Even if everybody likes the person, still going to disrupt the ongoing campaign. So my first answer is, do you really need to do this? Okay. Assuming the answer to that is yes, here's the best way I think you can handle it. At least in my opinion, I shouldn't say best way. This is how I would handle it. First of all, pause your campaign and go play a one shot with this player. Get the intro to role playing part out, right? Have a, a, you know, play it, play a one shot of the game you're playing, um, play some, like play some swords without master, um, whatever, play something to get the role playing part down. Like this is a character sheet. These are like funny dice. This is like, this is you like that kind of thing. Just do that. Um, one to just like one before you insert them into your campaign, make sure they really like doing this, right? Like maybe they're yeah. going to play that evening with you and are like, mm, I don't know about this like role-playing thing. Um, that kind of thing. So get a one shot in for starters. Mm-hmm. Then if you're going to drop them in the middle of an existing campaign, find a way to do it where the character is somebody who doesn't know about the world. Um, it's going to be hard enough on the player. Um, the player is going to be juggling a lot of stuff. They're going to be trying to like learn how to role play. They're going to be sorting out what the dice are. They're going to be trying to catch up on the rules. What's this? What's that? How do I do this? If on top of that, they have to know the like all the history of your ongoing campaign, it's a lot for them. So if they're like use the stranger in a strange land um, trope, right? Like, they were a prisoner in a dungeon, like, you know, from a dragon all their lives or whatever. And they've like, they've only come out into the world. And the reason you do this is because the character doesn't know stuff. The player doesn't know stuff. And then the players can kind of show the character, the world, like, instead of being like, Oh yes, you've lived in this world your whole life. Why would you like, why would you even address, you know, the, the mayor of the town like that? Like everybody knows you, you know, you call them this. It'll be way easier if this new player is a stranger in a strange land can make those faux pas and have everybody like, no, 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 that's not how we address the mayor. Like you say their title, like, sorry, mayor, like we just found them in a dungeon, like, you know, fell through a dimensional portal, not from here kind of thing. Right. Um, It'll help. Right. And then you can like slowly bring them. um, You can like slowly the, the players will have a reason to bring them into the fold. Um, I think that'll, I think that's the least stressful way to do it, um, is to basically like pass ownership of teaching the player, the campaign world through the players. So yeah, Andy Fox is saying amnesia, like sure. Amnesia makes you like, can also make you the stranger in a strange land. 
you could be from a faraway land, prisoner of a dragon. Um, you were in a mirror of life trapping that recently got broken. You're from like a whole other age, whatever. Um, you know, we're creative people. Like you'll figure out how to, how to get, how you'll get around to that. But I think if you do that, you've, you've given the player, um, you've given the player the best chance because you've relieved from them the pressure of having to know your made up world and all the made up shit that you and everyone else did before they joined. And then all they have to focus on is being their character, figuring out these rules and which one of those is the D12. It should be obvious. It's the coolest die. Anyway. um, (laughs) Anyway, that, 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 those are my tips. Jerry, what do you got? Um, I would say uh, have a game that's similar to what Phil's talked about, but also focus that on that character and how the game works. Um, You know, if you're bringing them into an existing campaign and everybody's already got a couple of advances in their character under their belt, maybe play a shot with that character a couple levels beyond and do something with that focuses on that character, maybe how the players all met. That way they can get all that out of the way before the actual adventure starts. Um, so that when that character shows up again, it's like, oh, look, Bob's back. Remember that adventure we had with them where we, you know, rescued the the, the space prince from the, you know, evil octopus people or something. And, uh, but do something like that and have it something that focuses on that character and what they do. If they're going to play the rogue, give them some rogue stuff to do. Um, if the player is just playing because they really like the idea of um, flying starships, then give them a starship to fly. If they're excited about, they've always wanted to play an elf, well, then put them in an elven city so they get chances. To, whatever they're excited about, give them that and then build the role playing around it. Find what it is that they want to do and build that. And have, you know, tell your players, this is what we're going to do. If you've got good players, they'll just jump into that. You know. Um, and they'll focus on that and they can have fun with all the things that happen and how they know each other. And um, it'll give them a chance to just do their thing without having to know that much about the game. And again, you can use your, your strangers or strange land thing as well. But I think um, giving them an adventure that, that focuses on what they can do means that when you get back to the main adventure and now you're okay, now you can spend another 10 points to build your character or, or however that goes, or level yourself up three times, whatever. They have an idea what they should be building because they've gotten a chance to play the character and see what they like and don't like and what they can build up to. So when they get back into the campaign, they're all set to go. Um, that's what I would look at. Bob? Cool. Yeah, I just want to reiterate one thing that Phil already said. Uh, so like, if at all possible, you want to start them out in a completely different session with some kind of game that'll be like, this is how you role play kind of a thing. Like, let's put your toes in the water before we jump into the pool completely. Like, if, you know, somebody's SO, significant other, drops them off at the game for game night, and they're like, you know, I've always been uh, curious about this whole role-playing thing. Maybe I can play with you guys sometime. Like, what you don't want to do, if you can avoid it, is be like, let's just throw you into the pool right now for tonight's session. Because it's going to be way harder to just manage all of that, for all the reasons Phil already mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also, I would also avoid the one of like, Hey, just watch us play because you're like, you can kind yeah. of like, it, it's better if you do it than just yeah. watch people There's do it. Right. Maybe a so a little bit of value in, in watching how, how the table, you know, works, but not for like a whole session. Like, no. and, and whatever you do, like, don't, don't spend a session vomiting campaign information onto the player. Yes. Kind of like a real oh, vomit streak 
tonight, but I think you get what I'm saying, right? Like, don't yeah. be like, hey, tonight we're going to explain to you everything that ever happened in the game we played. Like, yeah. like so that you're up to speed. Yeah. Like, unless and if you hand person that's it, into like a, the a super deep world building from other fantasy things, like, oh, they're a Game of Thrones fan and they love Game of Thrones. And it's like, oh, really? Tell me about this fantasy world that you're playing in. Like, that might actually work. But generally, that is fair. You don't want to. You don't want to just dump all of that. That info dump is. They're gonna eyes are gonna glaze over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a thing about playing role playing games, especially when you're new to them, because many of us will forget because we're old. Um, there's sometimes a nervousness about putting yourself out there and playing pretend, um, and all of those things. And if you're juggling that nervousness plus trying to like remember this fictitious history. Right. Yeah. At the same time, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask somebody like. So, yeah, like, I don't know, my like, keep it simple. If you have to tell them stuff about the world, um, keep it super light and don't be afraid to sidebar during a game and be like, oh, by the way. Right. Like, here's a thing that happened in a pre like if somebody brings up an inside joke, pause for a second and be like, oh, the reason that's funny is because when they went to, you know, the kobolds the first time, the kobolds ripped them off and took all their gear, right? Like that kind like you can, like you can do those things, like mm-hmm. break, you know, break the fourth wall for a second, explain those things, but don't explain yeah. it all at once, right? Yeah. Like explain it when it becomes necessary. Digestible chunks are always easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You want them to come back, right? Like you want this to be the most positive experience. Once they're excited, they'll soak up a bunch more of it like a sponge, right? You'll know when it's time to turn the fire hose on of information when they're like super excited after their first or second game and are like, you got to tell me more about this world. Like, you know, like what else is like, what else goes on in this world and be like, cool. Then you put your, you know, your three inch ring, you know, your three inch binder out on the table and are like, allow me to begin. Right. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. All right. Question five. Andrew asked, what concepts, practices or, quote, game tech have you stolen to slap into other games? I like this question a lot, by the way. All right, Jerry. Oh, my God. Jerry, what have you stolen? Uh, Bennies or hero points, um, fate points, whatever you like. Something that the players can get to um, interact with the game a little bit. So whether or not it is a... um, uh, a reroll or a token they can use to add a plus one or whatever. Um, I love that, especially the heist mechanic bennies. Um, second thing I like is uh, so a lot of games these days have abstract treasure and gear, where instead of giving you, you get seventy five gold pieces. So, yeah, you get a couple, you get two loot points, and you get two gear points later on in the game when you need to. You looted something. You know, oh, we need to have a, another fifty feet of rope. Well, I remember when we killed those goblins, I got a gear point. I must have pulled some rope off of them or whatever. Um, it makes it easier to keep from having players just constantly uh, write down everything and try to, you know, like I'm looking through, I'm looking to see if the, you know, if the Wookiee has any gold teeth, so we can pull them out to make some money too, or whatever. It gets, just gives them something simple. Plus it allows them to be more abstract with what they've got. And, you know, you can say like, okay, well, yeah, you need rope. Sure. You know, the, they had rope. Um, just spend a gear point and you've got it. And I think it just makes the game uh, flow quicker. Um, I liked uh, table sourcing encounters and NPCs a lot, um, especially since when I run games, a lot of times I'll let the players kind of go off the, uh, the the beaten path and uh, play in different different areas. So they're going to walk into a tavern. Yeah, sure. You know, you see that the bartender is is there. 
you know, our famous, the leading questions, you know, why doesn't the bartender like you kind of thing? Or, you know, you see a couple of, of no merchants in the corner, who else is in the bar and let everybody give you one. Um, I like that because it takes a little bit of the pressure off the GM to come up with something brand new, but also based on what your players tell you, they'll tell you kind of what they're looking for. If they describe a bunch of surly orcs that are all like pushing each other around and staring at the party, chances are they want some sort of a rumble in that bar. You know, if they describe a bunch of, you know, um, Jawa merchants with a bunch of droid parts, they're probably looking for something cool, come with a piece of gear for them, that sort of thing. Um, I like to just use that, and I've gotten that out of other game systems. And lastly, I like pass with complication. The games that have just pass fail and are as interesting as you pass, you fail, you pass, but I'm going to give you a complication, or you fail, but you fail forward sort of thing. Um, I think those are all things that I've taken and slapped into other games that I use, even if they don't have it in them initially. So those are mine. Bob? Yeah, the one that really stands out for me is the is the one that Jerry just said. <clears throat> Minimize or eliminate pass-fail checks. If it's binary, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's binary, throw it the hell out. Success with a consequence is way more interesting. It's your friend. Use it. It's not hard to implement. Just do it. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing tangential to uh, to what Jerry had said about abstract gear, um, I really liked the Dungeon World abstract adventuring gear. Like you have mm-hmm. adventuring gear with five uses. Bam. All right, I need some stuff. Yep. I need the rope. Okay, yeah, I've got adventuring gear. Tick one off. Um, and same with arrows. Um, similarly, um, Forbidden Lands. I've got food, I've got water, and I've got arrows. They're all a die. Oh, dice consumables are great. Dice That's a great piece of tech. <clears throat> that is a really yeah. cool piece of tech. You know, it's like, oh, you guys all have to sit down and eat. Roll your food. If you roll a two or a one, you got to drop your die. Okay, great. Yeah. If so, not, you're managing your food. If not, you're managing yeah. your food, fine. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that that uh, that is a great element. That those are my, I suspect those are my we're gonna I suspect we're gonna see some of that tech when we get to Twilight Two Thousand. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm kind of excited for that one. Yeah, yeah, those are my favorites. What do you got, Phil? Uh, my first one is be a fan of the players. From the first time I read it in Apocalypse World till now, um, it encapsulates it encapsulates so much of uh, how I actually like to GM. Right. I, I think I always I think I always did it. I just didn't know what to call it. Right. So like the yeah. second I the second I saw it in Apocalypse World, I was absolutely um enamored with it. Being a fan of the players is always going to be it's a thing I, I drag everywhere I go. It's like Linus's blanket. Um the other one I really like uh is principles for the game. Um I love them in Powered by the Apocalypse games. Uh I love the fact that other um other games are adopting it as well. Um, like I really have enjoyed um, uh, free league games have them in there quite a bit. So uh, the first time well, I opened what, up, what, what are principles? So it'll tell you like, like if you've ever run a, a powered by the apocalypse game, the, it'll tell you that like they, these are the principles of the world, right? Like I could get one to make my point, but I can't, I honestly can't recite any of them off the top of my head. Um, but they're the guiding, like when in doubt, these are like the guiding things you should do um, in your game. I'll, I'll go, I'll go find one when we switch questions um, okay. and I'll, I'll read you a couple of them. 
But they've, um, for instance, they've also been carried over into uh, freely games like Tales from the Loop and things like that. But that will also tell you um, kind of these guiding, the guiding principles on which the game runs. Um, Little car alarm action going on. (laughs) Think in my parking lot. It's cool. Um, Lastly, the um, lastly, the other thing that I really like uh, tech wise is setting stakes for skill checks. Um, I'm with Bob. Binary skill checks are often pretty boring and limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I don't have a um, failure, like success with a consequence or, um, you know, failure with, you know, some sort of, you know, bonus or whatever. One of the other things I like is just to turn is to just change what the die roll is about and still let it be yep. binary. For instance, um, take the classic, like picking a lock kind of thing, right? The, the binary version of picking a lock is like, make this roll, you pass, you pick the lock, you fail, you fail to pick the lock, right? Pretty straightforward. But you can reframe that. And this I picked up from Burning Wheel. You can reframe that check to be, roll your pick locks to pick the lock before the guards come around the corner. You're still going to pick the lock. The really what the roll is, are you going to pick it fast enough to get a, like to get through the door before the guards see you? Yep. Right. Or not. Um, so I find that to be really interesting and I find that to be kind of a cool tool. And I think you guys have seen me sometimes do it in games where I will stop and be like, okay, this role isn't to see if you do X, it's to see if you do X before X or before Y kind yeah. of thing. Right. Like that's a, and I like that a lot. Um, I like that one. It's uh, it's very, it's very useful, especially in games where the system is very binary. Like it gives you some latitude to kind of change up what the binary um, result is for. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm going to kick the next question over. Um, Jerry's going to, I think Jerry's reading it. I'm going to go and pop open a PBTA game so that when we hit the end of the segment, I will tell you some principles from some games. All right. So Todd asked, how do you handle significant change to campaign based on real world events? For example, your storyline involves avenging a character father's death, and then the player actually loses a parent. Yeah, this is a this is a tough one because um, the 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 main thing that you're going to have to do is is maintain like sensitivity to the whole situation. Like somebody's going through a lot of stuff, um, so ideally, you want to sit down with everybody at the table, including that player, and talk about you know how you want to handle that with the game. But this person is 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 going through a huge loss, and they may just need to step away for a while. They literally might yeah. be like, "I I can't be there tonight," and and off, and that's fine because you have to let everybody grieve and 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 do their thing. So, mm-hmm. um, you definitely want to have a conversation with as many people as you can from the from the group to see about what what you want to do. But ideally. You need to get that player's input on how they feel about continuing with the current storyline and whether or not it's going to be a problem for them or if they some some players would use that as a little catharsis to like, you know, to work through what they're going through. You know, everybody's going to be different, but obviously you definitely want to have a conversation and talk about it because it's going to be uh, it's going to be a factor in what's going on. But you got to treat it. You got to treat it carefully because you know when somebody's suffering like that, you you don't want to 
You don't want to be like, dude, we have to figure out what we're going to do with this game. The game's not important right now. That person's, you know, life and emotions and, and what they're feeling, what they're going through is the most important thing. So be there for them, support them. Um, if that means they have to walk away and they can't be there for a while, then they walk away and they can't be there for a while. Um, and then you can get back to it later. And that's to me, this is the, uh, is the, the big takeaway for that one. What do you think, Phil? So I think this is, um, I mean, I think this can be tricky depending on, um, on what the event is. Right. Um, I think that you just, the first thing you got to do is you got to stop and have this conversation with all the players. Right. Um, if, if you've, you know, like if you've prepped your campaign, like we'll use Todd's example, or you prepped your campaign that this thing's about avenging the character's father's death and somebody like loses a parent in the game, like you got to put your cards on the table. Right? Yeah. Like you got to just come into the game and be like, Hey, listen, this was my plan for the game. And this is what I, you know, what I had in mind. I don't feel like, I feel like we need to talk about it. Right. And it may be so obvious that you're just going to be like, I need to pause the game and change some things up. Or I need to like, you know, like we're going to do a different adventure. Like you, you know, like you just, you may need to just radically change things and it is okay. Right. Like once again, the show does not need to go on. Right. Right. Like you are, it is vastly better that you stop and talk about these things than barrel through any of these things. Right. So you can just have that discussion. Like I remember way back in the day, um, we had a, a Connex game that did not go very long or well. Um, but I was just in the process of getting divorced. And one of the players was like, Hey, I was thinking of making my character divorced. Is that going to be a problem for you to GM? And I was like, huh? No, it's not going to be a problem. Like, it's cool, but thank you for asking, right? Like, it could be that, right? Which it could be like, no big deal. You just ask and, and it's okay. Um, it might be a thing where you just need to make some safety adjustments, fix some lines and veils, right? Um, where people are like, no, I think I'm going to be okay. I, I just like, it would be better if we didn't go into it in, in detail. Like, I might have said to that player, like, I'm cool if your character's divorced, but I don't want to role play any scenes where you're fighting with your ex-wife, right? Like maybe I'm just not comfortable with that, but you know, it doesn't bother me that your character is like, you know, recently divorced or whatever, right? So you can just adjust lines and veils. And sometimes you just got to end the game. Like sometimes you just got to like, be like, I don't think we can over, like, I don't think we should continue playing the game. It's not going to be good. We can always play another game. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, we were on the cusp of starting a uh, so February of 2020, we were on the cusp of starting a headspace game. Um, uh, Bob, um, Glenn, Tony and I and we were all set to go and we had picked out our um, we picked out Vancouver. um, We picked out um, our inciting event for the game was a uh, global pandemic. Right. Seemed cool prepped all our stuff. And like two weeks later, we were in the middle of a global pandemic and we just said to ourselves, you know what? No, nope. <laughs> let's just not do this. Like let's not barrel ahead. Let's just switch games. We'll play something else. Um, it's not important, right? Like there's always another game. Um, so yeah, I, I think that um, it may suck. You may have been working on a thing and you have to jettison your game, but it's not worth pushing through. 
right? Like you got to have that conversation. And I would like, if the event is significant, like in Todd's, like the death of a parent or something, if the person's like, no, I'm cool. Are you, (laughs) are you, they might think they're cool, but you could be like hitting a landmine in the middle of a game. Yeah. Right. Like it's just mm, like better. Maybe don't like, or pause the campaign and play something else for a little while and, you know, come back to it later when, when, um, when it's possible, like maybe when it's, or maybe it's never possible and you just got to be okay with that. Um, I, I, I think we've all gamed a lot. Um, we've gamed long enough having about to notch my 40th year of role-playing um, that there's just always another game. Like okay. there's just always another game. I think the thing you have to be concerned about with this topic is um, turning your gaming group into your therapy group, right? Like that's a consent thing. Most people do not consent to be everybody's therapy group and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, wanting to role play something like this because you want to like role play through it um, is fraught with danger, right? Like it's not, it's probably not safe. Your gaming group are not licensed therapists. Um, some things could go horribly wrong if it if it's mishandled. Like it is probably best to just walk away. If it's minor, you can probably fold it in with some lines and veils. If it's major, you probably have to jettison some stuff. That's my feels about it. Yeah. Jeremy, how about you? I think you made up most of it. I would say just discuss it with the rest of the party, especially the person involved. Um if they want to have it in the game and they want to dissolve, like you said, sometimes they want to resolve it uh, in the game. They want to use the game to deal with it. They want to uh, have a safe space to, to kind of express their emotions. Sometimes they just want to resolve it off screen and keep going. If, it, if the adventure deals with the death of a parent and the person has a parent pass away in real life, maybe you just shift the game around a little bit, focus on something else. If everybody still wants, if, if everybody and the player want to still keep doing the game, they just have that whole storyline, you know, resolve itself off off screen. Yeah, jettison um, the whole thing. Yeah, um, and, and and go from there. Um, or you know, do the opposite. If 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 the adventure was about trying to, you know, keep a parent, you know, get the medicine to keep the parent from passing away, and their parent really passes away in real life, maybe you just you know, you guys you guys succeed and move on. You know. Um, I think, like Phil said, you want to be careful not to have the game become a therapy session, but having it as a safe space that everybody agrees, and that's the important thing, a safe space that everybody agrees to consent to kind of do wish fulfillment, that can sometimes be helpful too. If you're going to venture in those territories and you're not using safety tools, you absolutely need to deploy them for this. Always have safety tools. Always have safety tools. Um, And sometimes you just do something where... uh, you just have a, a feel-good game for, for the week, you know? Um, you have a downtime episode. We've done that where I've had players that were just having rough times in their life, and this week we were going to play a game, and instead of starting the next adventure, we're just going to do a downtime adventure where the players hang out in the town they like, and get to interact with NPCs and have a good time and do that kind of thing. And do that for a week and give yourself some breathing room before you get back so you can talk about, do we want to keep doing this? You know, but at least everybody has a fun time together with their friends. Yeah. Um, and I, and I don't advocate stopping playing, right. If that player right. needs to stop playing, stop yeah, playing. Yes. But if that player is also like, I would like to keep role playing, like there's a whole lot of role playing you can do. That's not going to be like, that doesn't have to tread on whatever that tragic event was. 
Like yeah. we can totally keep playing. We're just not going to play this adventure or I'm going to just stop this, you know, this adventure. And we're going to like, we're starting a new one next week because it'll be better. Yes. That kind of so, thing. So that, that's pretty much it for me. Cool. Cool. All right. All right. Well, that was our viewer mail segment. Yeah. We hope that you enjoyed uh, the community's questions. Um, hopefully we gave some decent answers and hopefully some of what we talked about um, will be useful for you in one of your upcoming games. All right. We're going to return to the Slack room one more time or the chat room one more time before we head into the conversation corner. Uh, I'm going to start real quick. Yeah. I'm going to start real quick because I have some PBTA books open. So I thought I would explain to Jerry. Right. So agendas, principles, and moves are the three things that are in, um, in the GMing section of PBTA games, right? So agendas are like the overarching big goals for running the game. Um, so for instance, from masks, make Halcyon city feel like a comic book, make the players, characters, lives, super heroic, uh, play to find out what changes, right? Those are like the big agendas for masks, uh, in dungeon world, the principles are things like, um, uh, let's see. I, I got the list right here. I'm just looking for a couple of good ones. Never speak the name of the move. I actually hate that one. Um, begin and end with the fiction, think off screen, be a fan of the characters, um, ask questions, use the answers, give every monster life, those kinds of things, right? So they're like the things that they kind of tell you, like when you're playing, do these things. And if I remember correctly, like in um, Tales from the Loop, one of the uh, principles of the game is that the um, adults will never believe the kids. Yep. Right. <clears throat> right. So like, like no matter what the kids say, the adults will never believe them. And I, I took that one step further, no matter what the kids said, the adults misunderstood them. Yeah. Like they would always, it was always, and usually it was kind of a moment of levity, but the kids would like try to confess something that happened. And, you know, the adult would look and be like, well, that's capitalism, right? And just like <laughs> totally not getting what just happened. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, that's those. All right, Bob, what else do we got? Um, yeah, Senda was saying that uh, she played a less than healthy relationship in a game, but there was a key boundary that they did actually care about each other, even though they knew the relationship wasn't any good. So they they didn't just throw in, you know, dive into the pool willy-nilly. There, there was boundaries. <clears throat> So there were parameters through which they they uh, they managed that scenario. So I mean that's not a that's not a bad idea. Um, yeah, I think you know I, I again I I think so many problems in role playing are solved with healthy discussion, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, we could boil our show down to like you know I mean again we've we've actually stopped giving out advice about talk to each other. And we've started giving out advice about here's how to talk to each other about this thing, right? Because the ultimate cure for almost everything in role-playing is like a good structured discussion among adults. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> the vast majority absolutely. of things in life come down to <laughs> have a discussion as adults. Yeah, yes. right? Like, I mean, there's some truth to that, right? Yeah. There's, um, <clears throat> But the thing is, I mean, sometimes we we do dumb things like not have our conversations. Other times we have trouble having conversations because we don't know how to say the things we need to say to people. Right. And, and you know, it's, it, it's the, it's not the desire to communicate. It's the uh, ability to convey what you need yeah. um, that can sometimes get tripped up. So, yeah, I think it's important um, 
you can you can do the you know slightly more traumatic stories like traumatic to you stories as long as you kind of communicate it up front like in in Senda's case like those two players had a good discussion about what was needed to make it safe but for instance right like I, you know i had a, a period of um I had a period of um, homelessness in my life where, you know, I lived, uh, you know, my mom and I lived at, at one of her friend's houses for a period of time. Um, so I guess it wasn't really homeless, homeless, but we like did not have our own place. Right. We were like, you know, whatever. Um, but if I don't tell that to a group and then just decide to make a character that has that in their background, because I want to like explore it, like I'm not being considerate to the group. Right. Because what if I have a bad reaction to it? No one really is going to know why. Yeah. Right. But if I approach the group and I'm like, Hey, listen, <clears throat> I think I'm pretty good with this event in my life, but I feel like I would like to explore it in the game. Would everybody be okay for me to do that? Provided that, you know, um, you know, we can handle it safely. And if it becomes too much, I promise like, well, you know, we can skip over it or back out, you know, like exit that storyline or whatever. Like that's different. Yeah. Right. Like you can have, you can have that discussion and I don't think it ruins the game. No. So I think that that's, um, I think that's key. Like there used to be a very bad school of thought when we were younger that like you had to like maintain, like, like, you only talked about what, you know, like what other players might like, what other characters might know. Right. Like, and you didn't like, you kept things inside or you sprung them on the table, whether you were a player, whether you're a GM and like that meta talking, right. Like was bad for the table, but like, I wholeheartedly disagree. I think the best gaming. Good communication never ruins a game. Yeah. Well, and 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 I'm talking about beyond good communication. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about players and GMs collaborating together to make the story better by like, like by talking about the story as it's going on. Right. Like it's, I agree with you, Jerry, right? Like it's good to just be like healthy upfront, candid and say the things that need to be said and have those discussions. But I also think like when we were kids, like you would never as a kid, like I, like you wouldn't like the GM made the decisions about what happened to the world. And you weren't, you know, like you weren't like, Oh, you don't be even better then what you're saying would be like if the floor collapsed, but like, I totally believe that works better in games. Mm-hmm. Like I love when players say that stuff to me, like I'm about to make a hard move and the players like, you know, be a cool hard move right now. And I'd be like, please tell me. Yeah. Like, well, what do you think would be a cool hard move right now? Right. Cause it's it in many cases is probably better than mine. Um, so I love that stuff. Uh, I'm very much a, I'm very much like, Give me your input while we're playing kind of guy. Yep. Cool. Good start. All right. I think we're good. Let's bounce over to the conversation corner. Oh. You're killing me. There we go. All right. We're looking good on time. Yeah. Like in so, the we're in the we're in the lane. Yeah. I uh I'm into season five of community now. Um had a couple of episodes that were like real emotional. Um I don't know how to do spoilers for anybody, even though it's been out forever, you know, no, no reason fair. to spoil anything for anybody, but, um, but yeah, in season five, there's an episode that's like, oh, really? Oh, man. A little squirting some tears. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, 
As we stated earlier, we uh, uh, we watched the Eternals. Um, I watched Shang Shang Chi again, um, and the and the behind the scenes making of uh, thing on Disney Plus. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, cool stuff in there. Um, it was nice to have company over a couple of times, once to just hang out, and then once to play games. Um, got to throw a, a, a board game on the table that uh, I had played a couple of times. Um, and I've had for like, God, like two, three years, most people haven't gotten to play. And that's the, uh, third forbidden game, uh, oh, man. forbidden sky. Oh, that like game's hard. Trip. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's a cool, it's a cool ass game, but <laughs> man, is it hard? Yeah. It's like Nintendo hard, man. <laughs> we were playing it on simple. We got our asses. We, yeah. we played it on simple. We lost twice and we were like, you know, what? we're just going to keep playing just to see what the end of the game looks like. Cause the yep. end of the game is cool as hell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was cool. Um, looking forward to the, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the, the Spider-Man trailer did drop right around eight 30. Um, Ooh. so I've got it queued up, ready to go. Um, Me too. <laughs> apparently, um, there's still some stuff, um, that hasn't been resolved according to what I'm hearing about this thing. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens between now and December when the movie hits the theaters, but it's a trailer, not the movie. I know, but it's there's the, it's that whole who's going to be in the movie thing, you know? And anyhow, we won't, we won't go too deep into that because it's, we don't want to bore people with some of that, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it's going to be a kick-ass movie, but that's that's just me. I'm I'm biased because I'm a Spider-Man fan. But uh, yeah, that's that's enough for me, Jerry. What do you got? Well, uh, first we saw the Eternals, and uh, I was very pleasantly surprised and, and enjoyed it. Um, I knew it was going to be good, but um, the trailers didn't excite me at all. I was like, oh, it's going to be fun, but the trails, the movie ended up just being amazingly good. Um, true Marvel fashion. The trailers don't show you like 90% of the story, which is excellent. Um, I compared it to Chinese melodrama because um, there's a lot of, especially after having just seen uh, House of the Flying Daggers, there were a lot of similar beat structures in that movie, and it was perfect. It was really well done. Characters were, were very well done. Um, they obviously didn't get a chance to flesh them all out, but everybody got their thing you got a feel for what each of the Eternals was like and what their personalities were like and how they uh, dealt with each other. And, you know, what's it like when you've been a found family for 7,000 years? Imagine getting stuck with your family for 7,000 years. <laughs> okay. I got to admit, uh, they, yeah. there was a twist I did not see coming. Yes, yes, yes. Like, when that twist got revealed, I was like, whoa, like. There are two twists in that movie. They're they're related to each other, but the first was like, well, fuck. And the second was like, well, fuck, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, I was yeah. actually I was actually pretty impressed. Normally I kind of see those like I, I'm pretty good at seeing like those things coming, but I was like, when it got revealed, and again, I don't want to spoil anything, yeah. but when it got revealed, yeah. I was like, well now, okay. Mm-hmm. Like that that changes a lot. And there are two uh and and scene spoilers so definitely um stay through the entire credits the second one comes 
after all the credits have rolled. Yeah, there's a um, mid, there's a mid, and there's a mid and an end. Uh, and they're they're both excellent. <laughs> I, I will say this: if you are a um, longtime fan of the Avengers, um, like stretching back into the eighties, there's the, you're gonna be, well, you're gonna be impressed. Like. Yeah. They nailed it. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly like, I was like, well, now we're just, well, we're just gonna, we're just pulling characters out of the backlog. Like, yeah. whew, it's, it's good. I, it was I good. Still, I still mentioned this was another example of Marvel saying we're going to tell this kind of story. We're just going to happen to have it set in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. But they didn't just take a story and throw and put characters in it. They did something. This, this is a melodrama with superheroes doing superhero stuff something that bothers me about a lot of tvs and movies these days is that we get stories that are superhero stories where they never do anything superhero-y or never use their powers never get to show off never you know this is another example of like the winter soldier which was basically um you know a, a spy story where you just happen to have superheroes running around but they did all superhero stuff in the middle of a spy story. Yep. This is the same thing. I like that. So I'm looking forward to everything else Marvel's going to roll out. I'm just at this point, I was like, you know what? Just, just, just throw just it. Just keep me. piling it on, man. I'm, yeah. I'm buying. Like, yes. This yeah, was, I'm with, I'm with this you. Was, this was not the low point of the Marvel Universe by the imagination. Nope. Um, I kept watching Metalocalypse. It's been kind of my, my, my downtime uh, brain cleaner. Um, I really like the show. I've been getting in more and more. Uh, having this is like my fourth watch through and so i'm finally able to pick up on some of the uh i'm watching it with subtitles this time so i get a chance to understand more of what some of the song lyrics are because you have, if you are a fan of death metal the actual performances of music in the show are just top notch um and it's funny sometimes where it just it'll start to show you the lyrics of the of the song and it'll just say metal gibberish <laughs> and uh but the, the show's good and, and it's got a it's got a story that develops the first season is kind of like episode like uh uh every episode separate and then after that it's all building towards a bigger story so um third thing was schmitty came it was just fun to hang out with schmitty for for day after day after day get to see schmitty hang out with schmitty game with schmitty uh which leads into board games you got to play board games a couple times um, a bunch of board games I'd never actually all the board games games I'd never played before. Um, was it the the Quacks of Quarberg, which was the oh that game was fun that potion that was game ridiculously fun. Um, uh, we played the 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 Forbidden Sky twice and lost twice. Um, we played uh, Pandemic to Cure twice yep. and lost I, twice. I'm a big I'm a big fan of that game. I brought that yeah. one. That's yeah, that's a fun uh, that's a fun and, variant of Pandemic and, and fast. It was a lot of fun. And uh, and fair and fairy tale, which was also just a neat little uh, deck builder game that was quick and fun. It was really quick. I, I was I was amazed at how once we got the mechanics down, that game went through real quick. It was a lot of fun. I, I'm actually glad it was quick because by the time we brought that one out, I was starting to fade, and I yeah. was like, oh, I think I have one more game in me. But that was like pretty low key. And even mm-hmm. then, I made a big mistake that would have cost me a lot of points if I hadn't figured it out in the last in the last draft. I made I, I made a bunch of mistakes in round one that 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 kind of irked me, so it was good. Um, uh, I we uh, my wife and I love to watch um, some of the HBO dramas, and Succession is in season three now. It has just been over the top, and if you like, uh, very. I mean, it is it is uh, everybody's the bad guy capitalism. Um, you know, it's it's a it's about a 
uh, uh, a greedy capitalist family that um, is trying to vie for who is going to take over when the father uh, retires and he is not a nice guy to begin with. And so um, it's a bunch of really bad people having really bad things happen to them because of their really bad choices. Um, but the characters, the actors are excellent. Brian Cox is in it and Kieran Culkin and um, another just a bunch of, uh, um, oh, what's his name? The bad guy from Hackers. No. Uh, yeah, he's in this. Mr. Mr. The Plague. Yeah, Fisher, Fisher Stevens is in it. Um, and uh, last season ended with a major uh, surprise slash cliffhanger. And this season is just all dealing with the repercussions of that. But it is a bunch of actors bringing out their A game and having a good time. Um, and uh, and lastly, I just built a lot of uh, the new Batman movie is coming out. And uh, I had some points, so I picked up the new Batman Batmobile, which was a lot of fun. So I just had some time just relaxing and kind of doing some stuff. And the new Bat, the Bat Cycle and all that uh, if the movie is as good as the toys, the new Batman movie is going to probably be a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it anyway. But the toys are, are really well done. And um, I've, I've always been a fan of Batman in all of its iterations. Um, I could even, I don't know, I don't know if I could tolerate watching Batman and Robin again, but the rest of them were interesting. Um, we had that discussion about um, the Tim Burton Batman. Batmans versus the, versus the other Batmans versus the Adam West Batman and so on. Um, so, so that was me. Phil? Yeah, I, I you know I um I, I was hosting Schmitty, so actually like most of my normal um weekly routine was a little thrown off. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get a ton of stuff uh done. I, I did all the stuff you guys said, like we played NBA or um you know played Knights Black Agents, Turtles, board games. Um I did just do some um Schmitty and I did some repairs to my um PS4 controllers um to um uh what's call it to replace the batteries on them. The batteries were a little whipped, and uh, I discovered that you can just buy aftermarket batteries. So, uh, and a little kit for cracking them open to uh, to replace the battery, and uh, rightfully so. When we cracked open that first um, that first controller, the um, uh, what you call it, the battery was like bulging inside of it. Like I took the battery out, and I'm like, "Whoa, this battery like is not good." Like. So um, I replaced those. And so now the game, like now the game actually has batteries that will last um, or controllers that will last a reasonable amount of time. Um, I also downloaded um, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, I've only played a little of it um, because I was waiting for it to finish loading and installing. So I'll probably get a little play on that tonight um, just to give it a try, Um, especially now that I have controllers that will last for a while. Uh, So that's good. Uh, and I have 30 minutes left of The Good Place. Um, I started watching the last episode uh, during dinner. Didn't realize it was a longer episode. Um, I had about halfway through it and the feels are already starting. Um, there was already a couple of uh, things that have happened where I'm like, oh boy, I'm not ready for like how this is, uh, how this is going. Um, so I got a feeling I get, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to go finish it now. Cause I don't think I'm going to wait till morning, but I'm pretty sure that's going to hit me right in the, uh, right in the feels. And then, uh, and then after the Disney, um, Disney, uh, plus day news, uh, my next series that I'm going to start watching, uh, over dinners and breakfasts and stuff is, uh, I'm going to go back and watch, uh, the X-Men animated series. I was like, cool. I'm just going to binge my way through this really quick. Um, I have some fond memories of it. Um, I remember it not being, um, you know, I mean, 
is still an animated kids show in the nineties, but like it hit most of the, uh, it hit most of the uh, serious X-Men themes like um, and storyline. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, cool. I'm going to go check it out. Like I'm going to go, you know, rewatch a bunch of those and uh, uh, just kind of relive it uh, since there's going to be new episodes and that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. So, you know what Disney needs to do now? Disney needs to get off their ass and they need to make more gargoyles. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. Like, yeah. like, I mean, the problem with gargoyles is you got to go like, uh, first of all, I think did they, I think they lost one voice actor already. Right. Cause Ed Asner's passed away. Hasn't he? Yes, I think so. Right. So you've lost one voice actor. You're going to have to go get the other ones, which is going to be kind of hard because that's most of the cast of next generation. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's true. yeah. Like most of the cast of next gen were the voice actors for, um, for gargoyles, though I will say this: if you have never seen gargoyles on Disney, like for like, just go just go watch it. Like yep. it is some of the coolest. It is some of the coolest animation from the nineties. Like uh-huh. the animation's good. The story is just oh so good. And yep. if you're a Star Trek fan, and I know we have many of them here, literally most of the cast of TNG are the voice yes. actors. Like yeah. some of them are there permanently and some of them like the rest of them just make appearances all through yep. the series yeah good time that was my mm-hmm. first animated character crush too detective elisa maza oh, yeah. yes i i do remember <clears throat> it's got everything man it's got it's got magic and it's got modern shit and uh, corporate corporate bad guys and yep. uh romance and oh it's, every, it, whew, it's got the it's stranger in a strange land element. Oh, there's it's just got everything. There isn't anything wrong with like it's just good. Yep. Just get some cakesters, sit down, <laughs> watch some, just watch some uh, gargoyles. Like take a couple days off from work. Like doesn't matter. Just Ugh. do it. There you go. All right. Should we roll on out? We should probably do the so. rolling on out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are back around to the Royal Court again. So we would like to give a big patron shout out to Andrew Dacey, De- <clears throat> the Warden of Whiskies, Andy Olson, the Duke of Dice, Bread, the Royal Mead Maker, Craig, the Lord of One Name, Chromatic Chameleon, the Queen's Spy Mistress, Eric Bonds, mm-hmm. the Duke of Gators, and the Lord of Beefness. A bit more cheese? Mm-hmm. Our very own GM Gerrymander, the Lord of the After Show. Jesse Edmond, the Royal Doctor. Jim, the Royal Merchant Emeritus. John Carney, the Royal the Court. Oh, come on, you're killing me here. Misdirected Mark, word scramble. John Carney, the Court Necromancer. There we go. Kevin Lovecraft, the Royal Beard. Richard Wyatt, the captain of the Royal Airship Fleet. Schmitty, the Keeper of the Labyrinth. Tiberius Starcrash Smith, the Baron of Britannia. Todd Crapper, the Prophet of Probability. Just going to hang it up after this. And Richard Ruane, the Queen's Frog Bassador. And thank you to everyone for listening tonight. Indeed, indeed. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. the Queen's time, you're welcome. Come join us live on Twitch where you can chat with the other listeners in the awesome chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. And if you can't make it to the live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. 
And take a listen to some of the other shows in the Mystery Rock Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bonestone Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Pandas Talking Games, The Gnomecast, Jean-Gu Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and remember, you can catch back episodes of the amazing She's a Super Geek. You should and can also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Nights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. Yes. Sorry. As I forgot our own closing. Um, you know what? Before you ship off a question to us, um, leave us some feedback. We'd at least like to know how this went. Um, mm-hmm. You can reach us directly, the old-fashioned <laughs> emails, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up on the Twitters. The show, the network is at misdirectedmark. He's Robert M. Everson. He's GM Gerrymander, and I am DNA Phil. If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Panis Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Zhangu Hustle is at patreon.com slash Zhangu Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Panis Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Park production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop. We out.